what we've realized is you can't offer all, more for less what you can offer is different for less and i think that's where digital really comes in and says you know actually where you're answering the phone the industry says that costs you £3.50 a minute where you answer an email it costs say 7p an email and when you're talking about live chat it's probably three and a half p an interaction and you know when you start looking at those numbers that the the efficiencies you can get by investing in digital really become really clear for the authority Hello and welcome to the podcast episode 21. Today we're talking to Michael Sage, who's Head of Digital Transformation at Chelmsford City Council. So Michael's got over 16 years experience running digital transformation projects, um, not only in the public sector, but also third sector. So we talked to Michael all about his experiences um, over his 16 years. We talk about some of the roadblocks that he's he's seen along the way within local authorities um, in terms of approaching sort of digital. Um, we talk about what agility looks like in Chelmsford. Uh, they've got also got a huge focus um, since 2016 at becoming digitally independent. They've got a whole digital transformation program uh, sort of focused around that. So we talk about how that's going so far. Um, what they're looking to get out of it um, by the end um, and just any sort of takeaways that the councils could take from that really. Something else we talk about is Chelmsford's really passionate about integrating digital across the board. Uh, They want to involve the wider workforce into digital processes. So they hold lots of different things like buzz days, um, interactive events, fortnightly newsletters that really involve the wider workforce in digital. Because at the end of the day, digital isn't a segregated department anymore. It's a thread that runs through every single department. And I think that Chelmsford actually do that really well. They bring the workforce together really well. So we talk a little bit about that. Um, We also talk about what emerging technology Michael's most excited about and how he sees that impact in the councils of the future. Uh, And then we also have a few building blocks or first steps um, that Michael offers for councils that are maybe dubious or unsure where to start um, on their digital transformation process. So I hope this episode is of interest to you. As you know, we're interviewing digital transformation leaders, primarily in the public sector, but also in the private sector. So if that's you and you'd like to be involved, please get in touch with me at lucy at webuildbots.ai or head over to our website, intelagent.ai. You can find all of our social channels there, um, as well as other email addresses that you can contact us on. Uh, So without much further ado, I'll head over to our interview with Michael. Um, yeah, if you'd like to come on here and chat with me about how your digital transformation process is going, love to speak to you. So don't hesitate to get in touch. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Hi, Lucy. Yeah, no problem. Um, so you've got a really interesting background. So um, over the last sort of 16 years, you've been running digital transformation projects in the public and third sector. So previous to Chelmsford, you worked at South Norfolk Councils, I believe, as ICT operations manager. Yep. Followed by a promotion to head of business improvements. Before yeah, that's right. 
yeah, sweet. Before being um, before being switched to group head of digital services for Chalmers, but I was going to say Cheltenham then um, <laughs> in twenty seventeen. So throughout your career, you've you've seemed to maintain um, an, a consultancy role since the very beginning, really. So how how do you feel like that benefits organisations that you've worked with? Would you say? Okay, so. Um... About 16 years ago, I started in the public sector working for the Centre for the Environment. Um, and around that time, uh, the first public sector spending review came in and um, we saw our budgets cut by about 33% overnight. Um, and one of the key, one of the things that uh, I was keen to do working with the, the head of IT at the time was to see whether we could achieve those savings without losing any stuff. Um, and that kind of started a load of technical solutions uh, around virtualization and custom hardware um, that, man that and we managed to achieve that um, without losing any staff. Um, around the same time, uh, one of the uh, people I'd worked for previously um, started their own business and said, did I want to come across as a, as a kind of consultant as well? Um, so I started doing that and that's mainly focused on the small businesses. And I think we have seen a lot of pace in the change that's happening in small businesses. So uh, the adoption of things like Office 365 and, and hosted email and things. And it was really good testing ground to try things um, in those small businesses that we could then translate into the yeah, slower public sector organisations. Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, um, massive congrats on that because a 33% cut is huge. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was a great time. Um, but we, we. I mean, I think one of the things that that probably hadn't been so noticeable in the public sector was the the kind of amount of capital and things that was floating about, and we, we hadn't had to worry kind of for a number of years about how efficient we we've been. Um, and I think it really drove some of those conversations, some of those more difficult conversations, especially around things like recharging. Mm -hmm. So it might have been the IT department swallowed the costs of a project um, just because the organisation needed to deliver. Um, and when we started reflecting some of the true costs back, um, the business knew it needed to change. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I mean, over your 16 years, you've obviously seen massive change, especially in the rise in digital, I imagine. So can you tell us a little bit about um, how your careers looked in terms of digital transformation, the changes you've seen? Yeah, so I think when I started, everything was on premise. Um, you had big IT teams, you had um, I, I, doesn't, I don't think there was probably as much complexity within the environment either. Mm. Um, I think as, as people and services came on board, that complexity kind of um, certainly kind of digital within local authorities uh, in, the, in the kind of late 90s, early 2000s was about taking the processes and just putting them on a computer. Um, and perhaps that's where a lot of the problems we see today stem from. So where you lifted a process from, say, a planning department that had a 15-day delay in it because there was a load of um, documents that had to go into the post and then you had to wait for them to come back. That wasn't taken into account that you were now doing things via kind of um, digital interchanges. Um, and one of the things we've done now 
is we've said that do we really need that 15 day delay in that process is this still the right process for the service we're trying to offer our our residents and customers um i think there's been a shift in mindset as well um certainly when we talk internally uh, about council work now we we, we certainly use um, we certainly talk about ourselves as a business now and i think that's probably been a really um, subtle kind of culture shift um, that's been really beneficial yeah absolutely um yeah that totally makes sense that's interesting um on that sort of topic well, what are the sort of top challenges you've experienced i mean have they been quite consistent over the years or have you seen them change massively as as the rise in digital sort of progresses i think probably the biggest change that we've seen is around kind of customer expectation so the ability to contact us when it's convenient for them um, rather than probably the traditional when it's convenient for us. I think we've seen, um, obviously we've seen the massive rise of, of things like smartphones. So, you know, when I started, um, I remember getting my first Blackberry and I thought the world had changed. Well, now if I go out in my local area and I see some fly tipping, I'd expect to be able to take a photo of it and upload it to my council, um, kind of no matter what time it was or where I was. Um, I think the the shift we certainly started talking about things like live chat on our website and how we could extend our opening hours by you know making sure our customer service staff can work from home um and now we're beginning we probably haven't quite caught up there um and we've now seen that things like smart home are really key um and we're working across the whole of Essex on bringing a kind of Alexa skill to market that will allow any of our residents or customers to, to kind of ask, you know, what, what's going on in Essex near me this weekend, um, which is certainly something that we haven't been able to do before. Um, we've obviously seen the rise of the internet and thing and people being able to share their opinions about us a lot more freely. Um, and making sure that we engage across all these channels while at the same time having this um, period of austerity um, kind of collide at the same time. So we, we, we really are in a situation where we've got to um, offer more for less. And what, what we've realised is you can't offer all, more for less. What you can offer is different for less. And I think that's where digital really comes in and says, you know, actually where you're answering the phone the industry says that costs you three pound fifty a minute where you answer an email it costs say seven p an email and when you're talking about live chat it's probably three and a half p an interaction and you know when you start looking at those numbers the the, the efficiencies you can get by investing in digital really become really clear for the authority um and plus you've got the fact that live chat you can staff 24 7 for a lot less than you can staff a, a kind of call center yeah absolutely and i think the data that you can gain from live chat is invaluable really because if you did progress onto a chatbot for example the data that you already have ready to kind of feed directly into a chatbot for example is huge you know you already really understand the top challenges the most frequently asked questions the kind of behavior of your of your constituents so yeah 
Absolutely. So just um, going back to the Alexa skill, did you say, is that something you're... Um, it's something we're, we're looking at with um, Amazon at the moment um, as, a, as a kind of pan-Essex group. Um, we have a really strong uh, IT managers network in Essex. Um, so we, we, we really focus hard on not trying to duplicate work that we're all doing. Uh, it's a really great group and, and, you know, we're all really honest with each other. There's a lot of information um, and skill sharing that goes on in that. Um, I think just, just kind of picking up on your point about data is that all data is absolutely key to all of this. So making sure that our data is in one place so that we can start to add some intelligence to it using things like chatbots or Alexa um, or, you know, whatever Amazon or Google happen to release next week. We want to make sure that that Chelmsford is in a place where we can go, actually we can get that to, to kind of market within a few weeks rather than a few months or years that it might have traditionally taken us. Yeah, absolutely. It's that quicker turn over time, 100%. Oh, watch this space. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, so I know as well, like no longer really wanting to be tied into the sort of expensive contracts with big suppliers. Um, 2016 saw Chelmsford move into more sort of digital independence, I guess. Uh, you decided to embark on a digital transformation programme, which was estimated to take about five years. So we're about three years in now, I believe. Um, I'd love to know more about what that program looks like and how it's sort of rolled out, how it's increased efficiencies or, you know, driven value, made a difference to your residents' lives. So if you could like tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, in 2016, um, we... Uh, the authority decided that we really wanted to take control of our own data. Um, we wanted to bring things back into a single customer record. Um, we wanted to standardize our platforms. Um, we wanted to get out of some of our expensive legacy um, contracts where we are being almost charged to access our own data. Um, so, for example, one of the suppliers we use said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, we have an API. If you want to access this bit of data, it's going to cost you £20,000. Um, oh, you want to access that bit of data? Well, that's another connector, so that's another £20,000. And what we said is, hang on a minute, this is, this is a little bit crazy. This is our data. Um, we'd also found that through kind of organic growth, we'd ended up running probably nearly 200 systems um, for various services. And it, it made our customers' lives difficult and it made our staff's lives difficult. Um, so, for example, if someone phoned up, our customer service team could have to be in any one of 12 systems um, just to be able to take that customer's call and, and log it effectively. Um, we found there was kind of double entry going on. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of error. Um, creeps in when you've got data like that you know if someone rings up to change their address and you only update it in 10 out of the 12 systems then we have that data inconsistency um, and obviously with things like GDPR and data protection becoming really prevalent and really um, brought to the forefront recently um, with things like Facebook and their data sharing issues we we found that you know if, if someone wanted to do a right to be forgotten or had a subject access 
um, request. It could take us, you know, weeks and weeks to, to make sure that data had gone or been communicated to them. Um, so that said, hang on a minute, there's got to be a better way. Um, and we came up with our, our kind of new digital strategy, which was to focus on delivering three key platforms. So productivity platform, and we, we settled on Office 365, um, CRM platform, uh, and we settled on Dynamics 365 and uh, an ERP um, platform, which we will be looking at over the kind of next few months. Um, what we want to do is we want to make sure that there's a single record for our customers, a kind of golden record, and that'll be held in our CRM system. So in, in terms of efficiencies, we don't think we will probably save that much in from a kind of IT estate perspective. Um, in terms of staffing, what we've done is we've said to the authority, look, you know, we're, we're putting these platforms in for you. How you choose to use them is entirely up to you. So it might be that you want to offer more services. It might be that, you know, for customer services, for example, you might want to say, actually, now my staff can work from home. What I'm going to do is instead of getting rid of, say, customer service staff, I'll have someone log on from five in the morning. Um, they can work really flexibly through the day and then at say 10, 11 at night, we can kind of hand over full control to say our chatbots or our Alexa skills that, that will deal with the kind of common um, issues like they have during the day and then they'll log something for customer support or customer services overnight and that will be in the queue when they get in first thing in the morning. Um, in terms of our estate, it's certainly something that we, we're going to look at is whether we consolidate some of our buildings. Um, it, it just gives us more options in terms of what we want to do, how we want to work, how we engage with our residents. Um, so, for example, we, we, we're looking at putting technology into some of our, our lorries and fleet. Um, and giving customer service agents the tools to be able to go out into the community and deal with residents directly if there are issues that need to be resolved like that. Um, in terms of kind of open democracy, it gives us a much easier route to publish minutes for meetings and committee meetings, committee dates. Um, so I think in terms of efficiency, it's about delivering more value for the kind of the same from an IT perspective um, and how the business and how our residents choose to consume it, we want them to be able to consume it in the way they want. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's where humans and tech work so brilliantly together. You know, it's not about replacing, it's about, you know, picking up where the other one stops. And like you said about your your customer service staff, um, you know, when they're not available, that's when Alexa kicks in or that's when the chatbot kicks in, you know, is that is that kind of like holistic approach, I guess, to customer service. On that on that topic, um, what does agility look like at Chelmsford? I know you've sort of touched upon the flexibility of your customer service staff. Um, so at the moment, um, we, we've just finished our, our, our um, move to Skype for business. Um, and we're currently rolling out um, new devices to the authority. Um, once that's completed around the summer of this year, then all the majority of our staff will be able to work from anywhere um, at any time. 
Um, you might have seen um, from from my kind of job history, I'm actually based in Norwich um, and I commute down to Chelmsford. So when I started at the authority, I realistically could only work from home one day a week. Um, and that'd be working on things like reports or, you know, the kind of things that you can work on outside of the office. Yeah. Um, so the research, um, some of the strategy stuff. Now, um, from Christmas, I moved up to working two days a week from home. And honestly, I don't think um, my team notice any difference to whether office or not. Um, you know, if someone rings my desk phone, it rings my PC or my mobile phone. Um, I can conference from anywhere. All our documents are now in Office 365, so we can still collaborate, we can still work on the documents. If we want to, we can, you know, use Skype for video conferencing. So I think. Um, from that perspective, I think the, the, the platform's really enabled the business to do what it wants. So in terms of other services, uh, a lot of them have opted for tablets and laptops, which means they can work wherever they've got an internet connection. Um, they'll be able to access the current systems as well as the new platforms. Um, at the moment, we will be rolling out um, Microsoft's always on technology, which means whenever they've got an internet connection, they can connect back to the office. But obviously, the longer term, it will be wherever you have an internet browser, you can connect to any one of our kind of key platforms. Um, so we are we are moving towards that. Um, I'd say the five-year plan um, is probably turning into a six-year plan. So I think we're probably three years away from that digital independence now as opposed to the two but I still think you know that's a, a massive achievement in that amount of time to kind of unwrap that legacy um, and I think one of the things that's really good for us is the business is actually stopping and thinking about the services before they move them into the new platforms um, which is which is great um, but it has added a little bit of time um, to, to the overall program yeah absolutely but I think you're right you know to, to have done it in the time that you've you've kind of what you've done in the amount of time you've had has been amazing something I really like about about what you do is is you you really involve the wider council I find um with the whole digital transformation process I know you send out fortnightly newsletters and you host sort of buzz days where you deep dive into some of the core components that you're working on in like a really interactive way which I think is brilliant because oftentimes IT departments can be quite segregated whereas as time goes on you know IT and, and technology in general is just is such a massive part of every job role now you know like everyone's on tablets everyone's on laptops so um how have you found that's been received by I guess people in job roles that aren't that like techy if you like so right back at the beginning of the program, one of the things we were really, really keen on was to make sure this didn't become another one of those projects where IT seemed to be doing to the business. Um, because we knew that if that was the kind of um, approach that was seen by the rest of the authority, then the program couldn't succeed, especially in the timescales that we, we kind of set ourselves. Um, we'd... You know, we've seen 
IT departments go in and say, we're changing your devices or we're upgrading this system or we're replacing that system. And it just breeds that kind of resentment towards the department. Um, and what we needed to make sure was that the whole um, authority community was involved um, and felt really engaged. Um, so the buzz days, we started right back at the beginning of the program. So we ran a few as kind of introductions to Office 365. You know, um, we were really careful that we did them just before the products launched. Um, we found that, you know, if you ran them too soon, there was that initial assignment, excitement. And by the time it was delivered, um, people had forgotten or they'd lost interest so we wanted to run them so that when you'd seen a buzz day you could go back to your desk and actually do it um so the timing on those was key and it was i mean it was a little bit tricky um in terms of the newsletter um we, we still struggle a little bit to engage the business outside of the, the kind of buzz days um and it's something we're working really hard on because you know, there is a lot of information. There is a lot of stuff we need to communicate with them. Um, we don't want to have to run face-to-face -face meetings because obviously that's a big drain on everyone's time and there's probably no need for it. So that is something that we're, we're, we're continuing to look at. Um, I think one of the other uh, things that was key was to make sure that the whole council kind of joined in on some of the responsibility for the delivery as well. Um, and got really excited about it um, really saw how it improve and relate to their their roles within the authority as well yeah absolutely um do you know what on that on that topic I was doing a bit of research the other day about sort of staff retention and the recruitment process because I don't know the exact stat but I know to to hire new staff it costs so much more than to retain i think it's four times the amount than to retain your staff so yeah like i think that's a challenge that a lot of people feel is to kind of have that constant engagement with their staff and i think in the wake of digital transformation some staff members can feel alienated so that that process of almost like a concierge service i guess is super important to make sure that they're in the loop they understand what's going on and they've got that They've got that sort of touch point, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really important. I think our management team's been really, really engaged from the beginning as well, and I think that's really key in the in the delivery of something like this. Um, I think they bought into it very early on, um, and I think that's that's really helped the, the, the kind of program succeed. I think staff retention um, and kind of salaries within the public sector is a really interesting one as well. Um, certainly we, we have a good attrition rate um, but one of the things that's really key to kind of the IT department in a local authority as well is is kind of keeping people um, fresh I think you can it can be relatively easy to stagnate and one of the things that we're doing that, that's kind of a little bit different is we know we're not the, the kind of highest paying employer in the area um, so we're, we're taking people on in, in junior roles and training them up knowing that probably within three to five years they'll, they'll probably jump on the train take an extra 20 minutes um and probably double their salaries in london but knowing that we've had that value from them for those two or three years where 
they're really delivering for us um, and they're really enjoying delivering for us and they're learning a lot. Um, and that, that's one of the things that we, we said when we set up the digital transformation is that we want to bring on and we want to be able to train those people knowing full well and, and being able to plan for the fact that we might only be able to hold on to them for two or three years once they're fully trained um, and kind of balance that with the staff who've been with the team for 10 15 years plus who are still you know who are still really keen to learn and have that organizational knowledge that you just can't replace yeah absolutely that's a great way to look at it i think um, I'm quite interested to see whether you think there's any synergies um, with the challenges faced by North, no, sorry, South Norfolk and Chelmsford. Are there kind of synergies through that or are they very different in the challenges? I mean, they're very different authorities. Um, South Norfolk's quite a, a rural um, district. Um, it's quite affluent. Um, it's, it's got an ageing population. Chelmsford is obviously quite um, uh, populated. Um, I think in terms of the kind of challenges, they are very similar. They are that kind of complexity of legacy systems. They are um, the fact that the residents want to engage in a different way. I think, you know, you, you have that perspective in both of them where you have a number of um, kind of elderly residents who will probably only ever engage with you face to face or over the phone. Um, and I think there's technology there that can help. So you've got um, things like uh, the intelligence within your IVR being able to answer questions. Um, I think it's really important as an authority, we remember that sometimes elderly residents or vulnerable residents just want to talk to someone. Um, so we need to make sure that when it's relevant, there is someone there that will pick up the phone. Um, you know, technology, in the past we talked about, in the past we talked about channel shift. Um, and I think it's really important that we refocus that message slightly about it being, customers being able to contact us through the appropriate channel. Um, so for some people that'll be, I want to hit your website. I want to talk to a chatbot. I want the answer now. That's all I want. For other residents, it might be I want to ask my Alexa what events are on this weekend. And for some people, it'll be I just want to pick up the phone and I need to talk to someone. Um, and I think that's I think that's probably something that we might have lost sight of a few years ago when we talked about channel shift and you know we talked about pushing people to the websites we talked about pushing them to social media um and i think it's something that local authorities have come around to that it's actually not channel shift it's about the appropriate channels yeah do you know what that's so true and that's something monmouth said as well very much mirrored what you just said they said it's about channel choice not channel shift and i think that's so true you know you can't eliminate humans use technology it, it needs both and and that's when it, it's really beneficial to the customer as well you know like you said if, if you want quick answers then things like chatbots and live chat is great whereas yeah especially for vulnerable members of society you know being able to voice activate speak to alexa or pick up the phone and get through to a, a human being is vitally important i think um 
so what element of, of technology would you say in your experience has been most beneficial and has reaped the most rewards? So kind of ironically, this is the question that I spent the most time trying to work out what I thought was the most um, beneficial. I mean, I think there's so, so many um, things that have happened even, you know, in the, in the past few years, let alone over the past 16. I think the rise of cloud has been probably the biggest one. Um, so it might have started with virtualization, but now cloud and the ability to pull that data into one place and to be able to run um, management reporting, being able to pull out your frequently asked questions, that, that kind of management um, interface and information has probably been the biggest and probably the most beneficial in terms of reward once once we've got all our data in that place in from a residence perspective it'd be so easy to deal with us from a staff member's point of view it would be really easy to find the information you need to i think with that comes that because the data is centralized things like security become a lot easier um, rather than having to secure and, and assign permissions to 200 systems you might only be looking at three or four um so i think that that's brilliant um which i think probably leads on to the, the next kind of question um about what i'm most excited about and that is the ability to um exploit the wrong word but it's probably the best one but exploit that data so being able to plug in chatbots bit plug in um, things like Alexa being able to plug in the next big thing because we have our data and we know where it is and we know what we can do with it um, so we can use elements of, of kind of AI and we can use elements of um, natural language searching as well so you know we can we can we can pull out what the most frequently asked question that month was. Does it differ to the previous months? How many calls we had? You know, which channel is serving our customers best? Which channels do we need to look at? Because we've got a lot of people using them, but the, the, they're dropping off before they've completed their kind of inquiries. Um, so I think that's that's the exciting bit next. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so for councils that are still feeling slightly overwhelmed or dubious about adopting emerging technologies, is there any advice you could give um, in their approach to digital transformation or like, can you talk them through some best practices maybe? I mean, from, from our perspective, what we've said is that as an authority, we want to be leading edge. Um, we don't want to be on the bleeding edge. Um, that's a scary place for an authority to be. Um, I think the, one of the things we've done at, at Chelmsford is um, the first Friday afternoon of every month, the uh, digital services team can work on their kind of own projects. Um, obviously, they, they need to have some level of, of uh, authority benefit, but it might be that someone wants to look at, you know, um, how do I code in PHP? How do I do something in AWS? What happens if I feed? What happens if I evolve um, a certain platform a bit further? Um, and I think there's that the, the 
the beginning of the journey now is really a well really well trodden path um and there are lots of other authorities out there who will give you advice will say why don't you come in and talk to us certainly we've had authorities from around the country come in and talk to us about our, our office 365 deployment um we did ours quite quickly and quite aggressively um we kind of took a rip the plast approach to um to our office 365 and we found it served the authority really well um don't be afraid to to kind of get try things um some of them will work really well for you some of them won't work so well um but all feeds into that that kind of learning and that organizational knowledge um, i think getting management team and uh, elected members buy-in really early on is key as well um because obviously something like uh, a bad reputation coming out of management team can derail a project before it started but i think providing you, you prove yourself in those baby steps the authority will become uh, more trusting um, in your ability to make the bigger steps. I think that the future is really exciting and there's, there's kind of so many possibilities of, of where technology could take us um, while keeping the kind of customer and the resident in control of, of, of what we're doing and how we're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I love your examples. I really, really love them. Like the street lights, it makes so much sense to have them on a sensor because, you know, they're on all night and, and a lot of the time nobody's really walking around. So, no, and you don't even know, like, when a bulb goes out. Um, I mean, I, I have started smart home stuff at home. Um, and, you know, my, my landing light that used to be on all night now only comes on when someone opens a bedroom door and not only does it only come on when someone opens the bedroom door it only comes on at 20 percent brightness at night um mm. rather than blinding you if you um if you need it to go downstairs so i think the technology exists it's just how we we integrate it in and how we we monitor that um and i think it, you know it helps it helps the wider community as well you know it means that the bulbs last longer it means that we can record um, potentially record things like street crime better and we can make sure that areas where there are high risks we can we can light really well and we know those lights are working yeah absolutely yeah um so to round up then a question that we ask all of our guests is what tool or app could you simply not live without um i mean i think it, it's probably quite old school but um for me at the moment email's still king uh in mm. terms of day to day in terms of um tools and apps that um i really love at the moment uh power bi from microsoft um and that ability to use natural language to interrogate all my, all my personal data so if i forget um what a document was titled or i need to pull an email in i can use um power bi to search all my onedrive and sharepoint and email and and pull that back for me um and again i think that probably relates back to a lot of what we talked about about the power of being able to manage your own data yeah absolutely oh michael it's been so great chatting to you thank you so much for being on the podcast and um, if people want to get in touch with you how can they find you um, probably best 
ironically, to, to drop me an email um, or um, just hit Chelmsford's website and all my contact details are on there. Brilliant. I thought you might say email. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Great chatting to you. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Michael. Um, if you did, please head over to iTunes and give us a rating or review. They're so appreciated and they really help us um, access a wider audience um, and reach some more like-minded people. So we'd really appreciate a rating or review. As always, please use hashtag the botcast to let us know your thoughts um, on previous episodes and suggestions on future episodes. So until next week, have a great one.